So the first time I got stopped by a cop, he's like, show me your license. And he's like, no, it's not a valid license. And I even, I actually went to the RTO one day and I explained him the story that I'm running this food truck and I said, I just need a driving license for driving a commercial vehicle. He's like, no. I said, why? He said, uh, you, you go to your country and do it. Welcome to Millionaire Mondays, the show where we bring you the stories of real Indian startups told by the entrepreneurs that built them. I'm Caleb Friesen, and on the show today, how Nicola Golsemi started a street food business out of a van on the roads of Bengaluru and grew it into a chain of restaurants and cloud kitchens called Paris Panini. French food is pretty famous. Ratatouille, croissants, crepes, creme brulee, escargot, macarons, and baguettes. And in fact, in France, people often turn baguettes into sandwiches. In Italy, a similar kind of sandwich is called a panini. And it was actually this famous sandwich that Nicola Gossemi built his entire India business around. But before he'd ever stepped foot in India, Nicola had actually been working in the food industry from the age of 18. He started by waiting tables for pocket money while he was studying economics and finance in the French city of Lille. And when his studies took him to Marseille, he again got a job at a restaurant while completing his master's degree in international management and entrepreneurship. And it was actually this very program that brought him to Bengaluru. He did have the option of doing an internship in Japan or China, but he chose India because of the country's rich culinary history. When his internship in Bengaluru ended, he had the option of returning to his home country of France, but decided to start up instead. I came to Bangalore with a really open mind, with like the sense of adventure and learning how uh, Bangalore and how it is to live in India. And uh, and from there, like I, I mean, so I did my internship and uh, and uh, at uh, at mid uh, midway of the internship after. So when I came to India, I had a lot of ideas. So for me, like the first three months in India were also like, I discovered the country. I learned about the culture. It was very important for me to understand like how, uh, not just in terms of business, but how people live on all people, like, uh, uh, I mean, overall the culture in India, because it's something completely different. This was when? 2013? So it was in 2014. 2014, okay. Yes, almost, uh, it's been almost a decade I'm here. And it's amazing that when you came here, I mean, this is the Silicon Valley of India, right? This is the startup capital of the country. And I think you were actually writing your dissertation on startups, right? That's correct. So uh, I came to India and I was I had in mind to uh, write my uh, master's dissertation about how to set up uh, and how it is to uh, do business in India, how to set up a company and how to do business in India. And uh, I had at this time my uh, partner, like I was doing a, a dissertation uh, with someone and she was at the same time in China and she was also doing the same thing, writing about the same subject, but in China. So it was very, uh, it was uh, uh, two 
different things in the sense two different country like China is quite uh, was quite already developed at this time and I was in something more like a booming a booming city like as you said uh, Bangalore was like the capital of the, the IT at this time like a lot of highlights uh, uh, for Bangalore so that's why also like when I came here I was not so uh, I was wondering what is happening in Bangalore and how's the life here but I felt I'm not going to like a, like a, like undeveloped kind of city where like I could see that like the IT was like running uh, running all over and with a lot of engineers and and uh, 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 probably also uh, um, a link with like the foreign in general because yeah a lot of people managers and all would come for uh doing a business managerial a managerial job here in uh, in Bangalore. Bangalore is an incredible place to start a business in and especially a restaurant business because people here are so open to experimenting with different foods. But the city is getting a little bit more popular and as the popularity increases so do the prices for rent. And so when it comes to restaurant financing, this video's sponsor Explorex is here to help. Because Explorex offers a full stack operating system for your restaurant called Bridge and because of their integrated POS and payment system, which keeps track of your restaurant's finances, Explorex is actually able to accurately measure the health of your business and provide you with a loan based on that. Their repayment system is seamless too. They deduct a percentage of revenue so that you don't need to worry about manually repaying them as a repeating expense. And while they're financing your expansion, Explorex is also going to help you increase your revenue too. They offer a robust suite of tools like a digital menu and automated ordering, inventory management, detailed analytics and reports, customer re-engagement tools, and third-party delivery integration too. So if you want to learn more about Explorex and their operating system for restaurants, Bridge, then click on the link in the description down below. And now on with the podcast. I don't think most people though, when they come to India for a student exchange program, a study abroad program, the first instinct is not necessarily to stay here for a ex very extended period of time the way that you did. You've been here now for more than a decade. And so at what point did you decide, you know, maybe this isn't just going to be a temporary short-term thing, but actually I could see myself building the rest the next chapter of my life here in India. So at what point it's quite, uh, I mean, there was not like turning point, but uh, I felt really, uh, I mean, I felt really comfortable living here, to be honest, like in the sense um i uh, i was uh, living close to my to my uh, office uh, to my uh, the place where i was doing the internship where, where was so that it was in indranagar so i've always stayed all my life in uh, in indranagar we started the first outlet also in indranagar like uh, indranagar is very close to, to my art kind of a thing and at that time what were you thinking of in terms of a business because i don't think it had the same name that it does today which is paris panini right or uh, if Correct pronunciation would be Pari Panini, right? It wasn't Paris Panini. It was so, com something completely different, right? So, like, to give you a, a, a short, uh, uh, like, to make it short, like, basically, the uh, my directors at the, the internship, they were also this uh, very uh, uh, open-minded people who like to experience different things. So when, uh, when I told them about, like, me staying slightly longer because... After three months, I was exploring the opportunities to open a business. But in the same time, see, as I said, there are a lot of opportunities here. But the idea is uh, you need to be, you need to focus on what you're good at. So I had this experience of working 
in the restaurants in restaurants before in in France I accumulated about four years of experience while doing my studies I was uh, I was working in a restaurants as a as I, a server right yeah as a waiter I used to also go behind the bar preparing drinks I used to go also in the kitchen to help the chef like it used to be like I've always been quite flexible uh, in terms of work because I've always thought like that's the way you learn things. Like, see, you can be waiter, but you should always keep a an open mind to learn different things. So, see, even as a waiter or as a barman or as a chef, I even used to clean like the floor, the toilet, everything, like from the opening till the closing, but. I've always felt, see, if you don't do that now, if you don't learn from the ground, like then how are you going to be uh, like, how are you going to become like a better person? How are you going to learn things if you don't start from ground level zero? So like that's how I, I started. So I've accumulated this experience uh, back in France. And when I came to India again, a lot of ideas, but uh I felt that uh, the the food, uh, see, w uh, at that time in 2014, there was only Café Noir, which was serving French uh, French food. And I found it a bit uh, on the expensive side. They were mostly located in Mall, UB City. So it's a bit, uh, it's a bit fancy and they have like a, a, a casual dining uh, kind of concept, which was really, uh, it was good, inspiring. But in the same time, I felt... It's a bit sad for people here not to be able to experience French food because it's on the expensive side. It's not going to reach the masses. Exactly. So I thought, you know, like the first uh, thing that I, like the first uh, concept when I was uh, building the concept, I thought like it would be like kind of bringing affordable French street food to Bangalore, like gourmet quality uh, food, but in a street food format. I, I remember when I was younger, I actually went to Paris, Paris. Um, I had no plan. It was sort of an in-between moment in my life. And I just remember like loving the food. So would order uh, street crepes and all these other different kinds of food. A baguette. Baguette. Or a galette. Very like touristy things, right? Um, but it was so delicious, right? So you're kind of trying to take that experience of being on the streets of Paris and bringing it to Bengaluru for everyone here to experience, which it's amazing. It's a beautiful concept. That's that's correct. That's so. What I had in mind was more like, uh, like see here in in uh, in India, we have a lot of street food. People love street food, but um, it's not necessarily like done the um, done in a clean, safe way. So what I thought is. Uh, see, uh, starting, so I had this idea of start bringing French street food to uh, Bangalore. Then it came to what product? So the product was, uh, see, uh, to start a food truck, it needs to be like quite, your setup needs to be quite efficient because you have only that much of space, you have only that much of storage, you have only that much of equipments to serve the people. And yeah, this area is quite restricted. But before we get there, I just want to know, why, like, why a food truck? Why not, uh, like, for example, Biraja from Biggie's Burger? Why not a fabricated booth, right? Or maybe like a ground floor sort of arrangement, like a just a normal cafe? Why was it a food truck? So this story came, uh, I, we brainstormed with my partners. 
And we actually thought at first to start a bistro. Like we wanted to start a, a, a casual bistro where we serve wine, we serve beer, where we serve meal of the day because it's a, a tradition in French. It's very casual atmosphere. But uh, we found it uh, uh, very difficult to find a space. We were, a couple of times, we were about to uh, to sign a space, but the landlord suddenly uh, changed his decision to uh, give us uh, the space. So, like, we struggled a couple of months, actually, and we came to a conclusion where, like, let's start something smaller. Let's start something smaller, something that is more personal, like... We had this wave in, in France of food trucks as well in US. And uh, that was quite uh, uh, a good, uh, like successful uh, stories and, uh, and uh, wave in, uh, in Europe and, and, uh, and in US. So we thought, why not like changing from this uh, bistro, more dining, uh, dining experience to this more casual atmosphere. And since people love street food out here, we will we should be able to like get a spot in the street as well as serving and uh, uh, be able to sell uh, to sell in the street because street food is so big. In of course, and you see people with these carts, right? That's kind of the way that street food is manifested here in India. Is that people put the the all of the cooking ware and all the ingredients and everything into one cart, and they'll either like push it or pull it, I guess sometimes. And so it doesn't seem like that big of a stretch to think. Uh, well, what if you motorize it, right? And even you see that actually there's uh, auto rickshaws that have sort of little kitchenettes on the back. What if you motorized it and actually put it into sort of like a truck or a bus type of format? But I'm guessing at that point, 2014, there probably weren't a lot of food trucks here in India. There were very few. There were very few food trucks. And actually, we were one of the first 10 food trucks to start. So it was quite a, a, a challenge for us because... Even people not knowing what is food truck, people like even to deal with garage because we had to modify the truck. So we got this uh, a school van from a school in uh, Rajajinagar. So you see the yellow school van, like a lot of people could relate s- seeing the van that we had, like an old Matador F307. Because they could relate because that reminded them of the school day, the childhood days. So uh, it was quite a a challenge because we wanted to have this uh, very customized uh, truck. Uh, Like basically we wanted to show the kitchen to people so that way they see what's happening inside the kitchen. They can see that it's clean. They can see that... It's safe to eat. They can see that we are doing it like we have nothing to hide, basically. So that's that was the concept, like an open kitchen where like people can see how we are preparing the food and how we care about the ingredients, how we care about the preparation, and there's nothing to hide. But how do you do that? Because I ca- I'm guessing you can't just go to a mechanic and say, hey, I, I've got this truck. Can you modify it and turn it into a food truck, right? Like there's nothing There's nothing for them to base this off of, right? They've, they've not seen this done before because there's less than 10 food trucks in the entire city. We had some inspiration from friends. And uh, so we caught those a couple of pictures of like uh, people having a similar van in uh, in France, and we told, see, that's the that's the uh, truck. This uh, kind of motorization, this kind of uh, uh, system that we want. So, well, will you be able to do that? Yes, sir. 
Yes, sir. Uh, uh, okay. Possible. I already uh, see where this is going. Well, so <laughs> we got uh, the first garage was quite uh, was quite a trip. Like I used to go every week, not see much of of progress, not to say like no progress at all. And after like six months, we withdrew the truck from there because the guy was just incapable of doing anything. What What had he done by the end of six months? He was trying to do some uh, some welding, some uh, uh, tickering, like some some. He was trying to work on the on the body of the truck, but like unsuc- unsuccessfully. And he, I think, also he didn't have the tools that are like really uh, 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 appropriate for this kind of work. So he was just keeping our uh, he was keeping our ops quite high, but nothing was was happening. So how much did you spend on that first iteration? Uh, probably, I think we lost some, maybe 50,000 50, to, to begin with. So then from there, we uh, I approached like a couple of friends. I had some friends who were into a customized car. They used to tune their, their pimp their, uh, their cars. So I thought, see, if those guys are able to pimp their cars and they want, like they should probably be uh, uh, able to modify that truck. So that's how I got in touch with this, uh, this garage. He was actually in HSR like a very professional guy, really excellent, uh, excellent garage. So it took about uh, another six to eight months because there were a lot, there was a lot of work on the body to be done. The roof was uh, needed to be altered. Like there were a lot of uh, uh, modification to get done. And also the, uh, the person at the garage would not do like half big job. Like he would do like the proper uh, 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 suspension, the proper like uh, double uh, double reinforced uh, uh, floor, like all stainless steel, and he he has done a excellent job. Like to be honest, like we were lucky to find him, and he's done uh, he's done a, a great job. And after that, uh, like finally after. Uh, about a year actually we were able to start uh, we were able to start the food truck so everything that happened before that point too though like I think there's there's more pieces here right for example the company logo is quite iconic eye-catching also the company name uh, is it Le Cascotte Le Cascotte Le Le Cascotte which means also so it's called Le Cascotte so we wanted to while brainstorming with my uh, partners at that time, we really wanted to have some something authentic, something that people feel that oh yeah, it is a it is a French thing, but in the same time, I think that scared most of the people uh, than anything else. So we had this uh, we had uh, Le Cascrut name as well as the symbolic uh, mustache and beret. So I'll explain you quickly. The beret is for, it's very like symbolic of uh, French. A lot of, I mean, French people wear the beret and uh, and the moustache meant like for French people in India, basically. But yeah, that's like a French concept uh, right in, in India. And uh, and well, the cascrut was obviously for the, it's a, a name uh, to say sandwich, uh, to say sandwich in French. That's the, the French word for sandwich. That's correct. So the, the food truck was called the sandwich, but in kind French. Of, but in French, yes. And very difficult for people to remember very or difficult. pronounce. So, like, I'll tell you, like, how people were calling it the most, I think it's La Casa. People were, like, saying, let's go to La Casa. How many times I've heard La Casa? Even people on Instagram would tag us La Casa. And 
I don't think, I mean, I've seen very few people being able to tag us properly on Instagram just because of like the spelling mistake. Like, I mean, L-E-C-A-S-S-E-C-R-O-U-T-E. It's a bit too long and very uh, uh, like quite different. So by this point, it's 2015. You've got the name. You've got the vehicle has been finally created for you guys to actually run this business out of. Um, things are coming together. I guess you're working on the menu as well. But uh, I'm curious to know what which licenses did you have to get to actually uh, run this business on wheels, r- actually running a food truck company? So to be honest, uh, even till date, there is no legal framework to run a food truck. You have uh, a license to run a food cart that's called a hawker license. So that was the that was and that is still the only license that you use to run a food truck. But for us, uh, also what was important is to set up the kitchen, because out of the food truck we need to. The concept was very uh, different from uh, what was there on the market till uh, uh, two thousand in two thousand fourteen, because the idea was bringing homemade. Uh, street food like by homemade I mean like gourmet I mean something that we make in our own kitchen so it means baking the bread every day making the sauce every day preparing all the ingredients from scratch including the french fries so french fries to give you a bit of story I'm from Lille in north of France and french fries are like a religion so before uh, before uh, the food truck scene, even in France and everywhere, we used to have those carts in north of France in Lille where we would sell only French fries. So you will get even French fries with like a piece of bread. You get like some meat you can get, but a mountain of rice. So that was like the idea. I, I mean, I guess because the north of France is very uh, close to we, Lille is very close to Belgium. So in that way, we have a, a, a really like love uh, relationship with French fries. So for me, when I came to... Have you heard of Putin, by the way? Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. I actually made Putin at uh, Cascrude at some point. That's like one of uh, one of my favorite like Canadian uh-huh. foods. I'm not sure how Canadian it is, but like, yeah, French fries, I guess like uh, the broth, cheese, like and broth gravy, and, yeah, broth. Yeah, 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 exactly. It's delicious, but so bad for you. <laughs> I know. But that's damn tasty. Yeah, we were making at some point, actually. You know, like the thing is, I wanted to even overall when I started the food truck, I was there every single day. I was driving the truck. I was serving the people. I was like the part of my job was also to educate people about the panini and this special sandwiches that I was making because see in 2015 when when we started there was clearly like a demand for sandwiches because Subway was there but that was mainly like the only one or maybe Ari Super Sandwich was also there you've heard of, of them no but but so very anyway, few very very few brands but very few brands were there and um, and like seeing this kind of product in a food truck is a bit like oh like it brings curiosity to people and they just wonder like what's happening in this truck there's a white guy standing there like it looks like quite a fancy thing like what are they making so then my uh like it was very important for me the uh, relationship that i build up with my customers because it was mostly like a lot of education like mostly like telling them like the benefit of 
this kind of bread how do i make the mayonnaise like why is it like creamy why is it tasting like different also and you know the thing is even most of the people i mean a lot of people used to tell me like oh so you serve to all foreigners uh, and that's quite a like first of all stupid question because we are in india and why would i like serve to foreigners in india that's a pretty small town exactly so uh, uh the idea was like i was bringing different flavors uh to uh, all the all the customers and like in a different way in the sense that i was bringing it in a sandwich uh the sandwich way and like making it in house and so even for that i had to build a kitchen on the side because to uh bake all the breads make all the sauce and all of that so that was i mean this part was also quite uh, uh like i find my uh, like it's quite funny but i find my first years of uh cascrude being like really hustling like i would if i have to summarize like uh this couple of years from 2015 till 2018 19 i was kind of hustling uh i signed up a place uh, uh to, for my base kitchen uh to start the food truck this got flooded after one month i had to move from this place to another one uh then this place like uh i mean was uh, i mean uh, we had like different problem like getting fssi probably was one of the problem but i got it done with my with my uh, ca at that time but uh, we had to deal with like local uh local uh tell me about it without naming any names like what was the situation so see like when you run i mean at that time when i was uh, running this uh, this small place literally i had to pay someone to not have any trouble not have any trouble on this place as well as the food truck but you had, you had to hire some it's muscle it's quite it's quite interesting and i mean even now when i think about it it's quite crazy like even when i like tell my story to like my friend and i tell them about this it's scary but I had to pay someone to basically have no problem with any authority and and even though I was not doing I was not running an illegal business so I was not doing anything illegal Yeah you had FS FSSI right I had FSSI license I had all those license for food truck but those so called license but the thing in in India you always need network you always need like to know other people that will get your things uh, uh sorted like your situation like and so that way i had to uh, there, uh there's the rules and then there's the rules kind of the informal unspoken rules the informal and unspoken that's correct but i mean see i've seen it like from an angle where like from the beginning i knew that that's part of that's part of it that's part of the entrepreneurship that's part of what you gotta have to sort what you gotta have to do and that's part of your like that's part of yeah not the culture but like you know like it's part of the entrepreneurial journey here and uh, and i mean i kind of knew about it because of my my partners at that time they i mean yeah we we had uh, a lot of brainstorming and i knew uh, all the kind of things and jugad and they filled you and, in on and all of that so they helped me a lot uh, building the 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 business tell me tell me about that i mean first of all the people that you started the company with those initial co-founders who i don't 
I don't think that they're still actively involved, if I'm not wrong. But also, I'm curious to know about the finances too. Like, what? How, how did you even start this thing? Was it just money out of your own pocket, your savings, or were you quickly able to sort of generate enough money from revenue that uh, you actually had a bit of profit and you were kind of able to reinvest that into the company? What was the actual business side of the business looking like in those early days? So we started the business with very minimum capital. So we, uh, we, in our estimations, we plan to start the business with 16 lakhs. So that's what we did, actually. We just put in 16 lakhs. I was lucky enough, I had some savings. So I was a, a majority a stakeholder in the company. And, uh, and uh, I had put, I went all in, okay, in this. And, uh, but I mean, for me, it was like, I knew, like, I mean, it was a small, uh, uh, like, kind of project. And I was looking at the proof of concept and see if this kind of uh, uh, product has a good response and test basically the market if it can be if it can be something scalable. Because see, at the end of the day, it's fine to start with something, but you can't stay on your uh, uh, ground level and like continue. You have to scale. So your two business partners were also French, right? They were also French. They were running this uh, outsourcing company. And uh, but I was the one behind uh, behind everything in terms of operation. I was all there all the time. They sure. were running their their uh, business. They used to uh, help me in the sense any advices like a good connection. We used to have really good uh, brainstorming session and and uh, test also. See, we uh, developed the menu together as well and. Uh, so it was a, it was a good experience. I was 22 years old when I started. So when we started the business, uh, one thing I realized quickly was we've not we did not invest enough money. Our capital raised was way too low. So one thing that I actually remember is that while building the food truck, like at the end of building the food truck, we had 10,000 rupees left on the account. And I started freaking out because we've not even started operating and we have 10,000 rupees. Did, did you have any inventory at that point or did you still, did you have to go out and also buy the bread? And We had a bit of inventory, like a bit. Like how are you going to pay your rent? Like how are you going to survive? We had the launch plan. We had like a couple of things that were planned, but I was like, I need to make money right away. Like it can't be like, I can't have 10,000 rupees if tomorrow there's one expense that comes up. What will I, what am I going to do? Like if that flood, so, if that flood had happened at that moment, you would have been toast. Yeah, definitely. No pun intended. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, I'm like, I got to find some business to do. So I called my, one of my friend was running his, his startup at this time. And... Uh, I asked him, do you want catering service? Like, I'd love to uh, give you a try of everything. Like, your employees can try and even I can get a good, I can get feedback as well. So for me, that would be like a learning experience because it'll be the first service to do. And in the same time, like, I can get my products uh, tried and uh, and uh, approved. And in the same time, that will help me, like, make some money as well. So, like, I remember this day, like, it was a great experience like and even though like they were very like the kind of people who were there were quite traditional they did enjoy the food like quite a lot so 
actually there was one thing that they didn't like and I've removed it from the menu since then was the gazpacho. Oh my god. I used to serve gazpacho like uh, my old partners they used to uh, they used to love this uh, cold soup that like we drink in in south of France and uh, and it's very refreshing but it's made out of you do you know gazpacho? It's made out of uh, raw vegetable that you blend together with olive oil. You add a bit of salt, pepper. You season it, and so it's a cold soup. I've, I've never heard of that before. People would like abused me. Okay, <laughs> like seriously. Like as though you Be didn't like, heat the soup. Like why? Why are you giving me this? Like. See, even here, I mean, again, you learn from your mistakes. Like, see, beginning, I was like, like you add those raw vegetables, even uh, raw tomato slices, because that's how you serve it in France. You know, like you have that nice ham, lettuce, tomato, you know, you want to keep it uh, as much as possible authentic. But in the same time, yeah, you know that you're not in the same market. And I mean... I, I think I was also at this time taking one day at a time in the sense that I was learning very much like every single day because I was in direct contact with the customers. I was taking feedback from them. I was improving the way of, of operating. I was, I mean, the food truck days were a bit of a struggle because it was, again, it was not like a legal uh, thing to run. So that's why also after a point, like uh, I remember it was end of or beginning of 2016, I started thinking like this, uh, this uh, food truck is not a scalable business in the sense that I'll not be able to run uh, like 20 food truck in the city because I can't even, I'm, I'm like struggling to even uh, run one. And what would you say, I mean, what were some of the things that you were struggling with at that point? Um, you know, was it the authorities, for example? Was it you kind of just managing the people at that one location that you had kind of become like a bottleneck and you couldn't be in multiple places at once? What was the, what was going on there? See, I think uh, uh, the staff thing would be fine I mean, as long as the you build up the the business until a point where like people know you and know the brand and but what was the most painful part was probably like getting uh, stopped on the way to to tech parks on the way to a parking spot and uh, so it was quite funny because I had my four wheeler license. I used to wear this khaki uh, this khaki shirt in the truck and drive. So the first time I got stopped by a cop is like, show me your license. I give my license. This guy was like so, uh, he was wondering. Shocked. Yeah, exactly. So shocked that I have a license. He let me go. <laughs> okay, that was the first time. He's like, I have a happy day. I'm like, thank you. Bye. And then the second time I get stopped, this guy is like, show me your license. And he's like, no, it's not a valid license. I told him, yes, it is. But then they were looking at... It was a commercial vehicle. So I didn't have this uh, commercial driving license. Oh. So that's when it started becoming like a, a, a problem. And I even, I actually went to the RTO one day and I told him, see, I'm, I mean, I'm riding a food truck. I need to, I went with some uh, local people because otherwise, like I would not have access to, uh, to uh, like even talk to the no, the RTO commissioner is, is over like there. Like the definition of chaos. There's no way to even navigate that thing if you're not, a, if you don't know what you're doing. <laughs> that's well said, yeah. 
So I go there and I speak to the commissioner, like the guy uh, representative there sitting on a chair. And I explain him the story that I'm running this food truck. And I said, I just need a, a, a commercial, like the driving license for driving a commercial vehicle. He's like, no. I said, why? He said, uh, you, you go to your country and do it. Well, did you try to, you know? Um... I no. <laughs> I mean, weren't I, the people with you told you like yeah, you need to pay this guy to make no, this happen? They, we did. We did talk to him in the sense like what possible way we can do it, but he was like, "No, I'm not gonna give you. I'll def like no. You go to your country and do it." And I was like, "Okay." So then there's no uh, uh, legal way to get it. So I might as well like I mean at that point of time i think i also got in touch with this person who was clearing everything for me so like i got things simplified uh with uh, dealing with authorities oh your uh, your uh your guy yeah your, my, my gunda yeah, yeah your gunda. <laughs> <laughs> so i got things simplified with authorities but the problem was it was still hurting me in the sense that see how do i scale this business so what came what uh, what happened also at the beginning is, so I, I had a, this place in, the base kitchen was uh, in Tipsandra, and uh, I had people seeing the truck and coming to the kitchen. So I was like... You were operating the truck like opposite of the kitchen, basically? So yeah, the truck was used to be parked in front of the kitchen, and we used to actually serve uh, in, uh, in front of the kitchen. I remember the first day we opened this truck opposite the kitchen, we served about... 250 people that was mad so the kitchen was there i used to tell those uh, the people who were with me like go and bake more bread make more bread that was like kind of chaotic but that made me think of like wow it's like it's so uh like great to see such response like means that see even i knew that people in bangalore are very like well uh open-minded about trying new food new cuisine so you know like they were also curious and our price point at that at that time was quite low in the sense like let's say for a, a, a sandwich you would pay like 150 rupees which is quite affordable when you think that the bread is baked uh, on the same morning the sauce are uh, made also and and all of that so it was quite affordable so that's gourmet basically right i mean 150 rupees I, I just wish I had known about this place at that time because it sounds like, I mean, it's a steal. I would have been there every single day. Uh, what did people think about the price point? Yeah, it was it was affordable. Now the thing again is it was more about like educating people about the product because see, people would see here in, in India, the bread has like people see bread in a different way. Like we have those chapati, we have naan, we have like a different, you also have those uh, pao that I love. But you know, like you have a different way to, to serve uh, uh, bread. You have a different kind of bread. And this panini bread was like very uh, different from what uh, people usually have. Like, see, like people, you know, at the beginning, I remember some people would not, they would say burger, you have burger. And I was telling them I have French burger. It's a French burger. So that way it would uh it would uh they would understand it sometimes you know you have to use like different world words 
to make people understand in their own way you know so that's how like basically i've i mean i was very close to the brand i was like even doing deliveries myself sometimes every like a uh, single like customer experience for me was very 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 important hmm. so to a point where like yeah if there were any complaints i would go myself i would call the customer send me your location and go and make sure that the 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 delivery is done properly in the right way and see that's how i feel also like building a a sustainable and healthy business is like making sure that you build trust with your customers and you know like for me i started this out of passion and i was working in restaurants before restaurant industry is not like the easiest industry like you work at odd hours you work like 16 hours in a day like it's it's like mad but what i what um, what made me continue this way is just that it made me i mean it made me like a better person at, to start with but also like it's i i like it's just passion that just build up around this hospitality like the hospitality industry in general and this relationship that you have with people that you build up and people you see coming back and you see that they are happy and so that's a great for me it's like the best feeling and you know like the fact that like at least you've made someone happy and like and made him like discover something different okay so what i'm hearing here though is that you're doing it for a lot of reasons right you're running this business for passion you're running it for the love of french culinary history that you're trying to bring to india but what i'm not hearing is that you're doing it for money which I mean, let's be honest, a lot of people, when they start their business, when they run a business, they're doing it because they want to make money. And 2014, 2015, 16, 17, I mean, you're running this company still out of a single food truck. And I just have to wonder, like, how, like, how are you doing there financially? I can't imagine that you're making tons and tons of money doing this. See, to be honest, I was lucky to have my parents supporting me all the time. Any, We had uh, some... Uh, bad experience with uh, people who've promised to invest in the business and at the last moment they backed out like and no uh, no clear answer or no so it was in actually in 2019 when I had this experience with uh, because from 2000 see from 2016 I mean I started 2015 16 uh, I was uh, figuring out Swiggy and a small takeaway counter from the kitchen so things like picked up quite well and uh, and from there I thought okay we need to scale the business because it has it's getting a very good response but in the same time the 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 funds were not there. How much revenue would you say you were generating? And also, were you profitable? We were profitable, but it was very uh, on the edge. Ramen, ramen profitable. <laughs> yeah, kind of. If you've heard of that concept in Silicon Valley, you can afford to buy ramen, feed yourself, but that's about, that's yeah, about it. That's about it. So how, like, give me a ballpark. See, um, food truck business, the takeaway the swiggy overall we were uh, we were on average let's say doing 10 to 10 to 15 like about 12 lakhs uh, on average so that was i mean good to i mean not uh, we 
definitely we're breaking even. We are even making money, but not enough to start anything else. Ten to twelve per month or per per month per month. Per month. Okay. Yeah. And then in terms of profits, how much? Profit. Let's say we were making a lag profit. Uh, we were making a lag profit uh, every month uh, after paying all the salaries, after paying all the the rent and everything. Sure. And what it what it sounds like to me is that it started off as this sort of experiment that you want to prove this concept and uh, start it with a food truck to prove the concept, right? But then that's 2014 and then you get all the way to 2019 and you realize that I'm still in that stage that I didn't expect to be at this point. I think you thought that you would prove your concept and then go ahead and open a cafe, bistro, like some kind of actual dine-in, sit-down location. And that's just not really what happened. And overall, over the time, like between the food truck and running this counter, I've learned quite a lot. And I was also meeting investors. I was, I met those IAN uh, angel investors uh, a couple of times. I did like a couple of pitch with them. But the the pro- I think they were not necessarily understanding the fact that I was in the sh- at the shittiest location. Like, the location was the worst possible okay i was kind of serving out of uh, that i mean that reminds me all of the world but me it was like a shit all but like just to uh, keep it uh, uh, simple but still it was like doing decent numbers because i mean doing 12 lakhs i've heard like people not making even like six lakhs every month and like they have like prime location and all of that wait but so why were you operating out of this not ideal location because see, when I started the business, for me, it was focusing on the food truck, food truck part and scale the food truck. But it became, it came to a point where the food truck was not a scalable business. So you couldn't I, drive around the city because you'd get stopped. Yes. By... So basically what happened is in 2015, there was a good wave of uh, food truck uh, in the city, starting in the city. And uh, people were not doing it out of passion. They were doing it just thinking oh this guy is successful you know how many food trucks actually i've heard that a lot of people have heard that they started food trucks seeing like the cascode food truck and seeing the queue like uh waiting for the uh waiting uh, at the truck and i'm like see that's great uh to hear like but like i started saying to people in in 2016-17 see if you start a business and you put all your money just think of something like Think where you gonna park because I made this mistake of like, uh, uh, I mean, I was able to park my trucks, but for like, let's say the first two years, then after it became very difficult in the sense that cops were like chasing us, like literally. So it was- They just see you as a a rolling piggy bank, basically. Yeah, but not only me, all the food trucks. And they knew, you know, like the funny part is- so they knew that at Bagmane there would be one food truck on this day. So they would park there, take their bribe, and I mean, sorry to say, but yeah, it's the reality. Yeah, but uh, so see, it became more like uh, uh, it became very uh, uh, chaotic to run, basically. So I thought of see the food truck. We actually tied up with Aramzi Tech Park at the very beginning. They were interested into having us, especially us, because they saw the cleanliness of the truck. They saw that the standards were like next level. So they've uh, they kept up very close to California burrito in uh, in uh, 
2015 early days uh, in the EcoVoltec park. So that's where we were running a trial with them. And then uh, step by step, they gave us uh, other tech parks to park, uh, to park the truck. But again, the only problem was uh, the cops on the way to uh, uh, get to that specific spot. Let me ask you a question, though, because I'm also you know, building a business in this country and I'm not from here like you. I'm a foreigner. Um, and I think the path of least resistance for a lot of us is actually to go back to our country of origin, right? And unless you've given up your citizenship or your passport, that's something you can do like on the day that you make that decision. Was there ever a point, especially towards 2019, where you thought maybe it's time to just head back home and this was fun, but it's obviously not something that's going to work out in the long term? To be honest, no. So one thing I'll one thing that is, I think, really important in the entrepreneur journey is to always believe in your product, in your concept. If you don't believe in your product, even if one day you're like thinking like, oh, is it is it actually working? Like, is it sometimes you have this uh, uh, question, you question yourself, you question like, how's like, how, uh, how am I like even capable of scaling the business? So but one thing I knew is the product is excellent and i've always believed in the product you know i was i was also thinking like i mean like you know if like i was in the food truck always eating in the truck for like you know even once so like for two weeks every single day we were on the road i remember eating those panini two weeks straight lunch and dinner i was eating only panini and you know i was i was also thinking like if I was not doing this, like, oh my God, like, I mean, it's so good. Like, I love the product so much that like, I mean, I had this feedback from all the customers, from my friend that like, they love the product. So like, that's also how I, that kept me like going and, you know, like, and, you know, we got a lot of highlights uh, on the food truck when we started because as like foreigner, we got interviewed but by, by vice so vice like one journalist flew down uh, to bangalore to uh take like basically like three days in our life like it was amazing like it felt amazing like there were a lot of people like wondering like why is this french guy in india like running a food truck so they were like it was uh, uh, kind of a different story compared to like uh, the ordinary like tech person who comes, set up a tech company, raise money and then uh, uh, go off the... But it became a part of your identity. Yes. yes you're not yes. just you're not just a French guy in France. You're like the French guy in Bangalore. <laughs> yeah. In Bangalore. That's um, true. Okay. I'm so the next... La Casa. The ne yeah. <laughs> La Casa. Um, the next phase of the story here, uh, after you kind of, you know, for lack of a better word, you kind of got screwed by these would-be investors, and they didn't invest, right? Luckily, or they not, didn't. They not, don't own equity in the no, business. No, 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 no. So the next part of the journey starts in what I've understood to be a locker room, like a changing room, right? <laughs> yeah, that's uh, yeah, that's part of the story as well. So basically, I'm someone who, uh, see, I was at that time, I was raising money i was talking to a lot of people and uh so i used to go to this place called volt on 12th main in indranagar and even there i actually met a lot of interesting people a lot of entrepreneur a lot of restauranter as well so 
like for me, I would not miss any opportunity to discuss about my business as well as the fact that I was raising money. Because actually what I discovered in India is that a lot of people uh, have money to invest and they don't necessarily know uh, like where to what investment to do. And so basically you have to sell them something in the sense that see, sell them your business in the sense that they would want to invest in your business as well as the person. Because see, when you invest in a business, it's not only just the business. You invest in someone's uh, expertise, you invest in someone's story, you invest into someone who actually like, who holds the project quite tight. So like it was in July, 2019, uh, in the changer, uh, changing room of, of Vault, uh, I meet uh, the founder of Pizza Bakery and I discussed quickly with him and and uh, mentioned the fact that I was uh, looking for investors in, in this project because like the product is not getting as much uh, as much uh, visibility and as much uh, uh, popularity as it should. Because it's an exceptional product, it's just not in the right place. Exactly. This was Nikhil, right? That was Nikhil, exactly. So uh, Nikhil told me that's, I mean, that's uh, interesting, but, uh, and we do actually invest in, uh, in uh, uh, projects, like uh, food projects, uh, into projects. So if you want, we can meet, uh, if you want, we can meet uh, uh, tomorrow, we'll come with, with my brother and we can discuss uh, details, like, and see your kitchen, see like the foundation, see your food truck and see if actually we can come to, a, to a, an agreement, something together. So I was like quite excited about it, like, and they were very uh, responsive and very uh, quick because the next day itself, I met I met them with their head chef, at, uh, who was uh, who is still uh, guru chef guru from from the pizza bakery. So they came to my kitchen. I think they uh, they kind of shocked at the beginning because they didn't expect a French man running like this kind of kitchen. As I said, like it was a like ground floor, mid ground floor basement. And it was an old printer. So that old printer had made like one entrance that was like this hole uh, uh, in the wall where you would go uh, under and get inside the kitchen. It was like quite uh, shaky, but and I had put up like four benches two tables outside like all wobbly and uh, so they came here they obviously tried the product tried many things on the menu and they were kind of convinced convinced that there's potential in the in the product so that's where like we started discussing about like uh scaling the product together and they thought also of not just getting involved as uh, a sleeping partners but uh, like being really like active into uh, scaling the, the product with me. And, and that's where like we came to a, a conclusion that like, yeah, we, uh, uh, we came to an agreement where like, yeah, we, we decided to partner together and, uh, and uh, yeah, find a better place for the business, find a, a be yeah, better location. We uh, talked about like the, uh, the ambience, talked about the concept, talked about like, many many things we've reviewed like deeply the the menu that we were having reviewed like a lot of things it was a lot of brainstorming at the at the beginning but uh, very uh, very like insightful and very uh, uh, a, a good uh, uh, learning from them as well because 
they were running the pizza bakery and to be honest I love the pizza bakery and the first time I went to the pizza bakery uh, uh, back then I was kind of like the interiors are stunning the ambience is stunning like the product is on point like everything is like wow phenomenal so like I kind of clicked with those guys because like they had like they were we had the same kind of uh, uh, thinking in the sense that we want to serve like really good quality food to uh, to people. So it sounds like this journey, uh, at least up until 2019, it sounds kind of like it was a lonely journey um, from a business standpoint, you know, and you're kind of doing this thing relatively, you know, for the most part on your own, uh, just kind of hustling, right? Running this food truck. Uh, maybe you had a support system in friends or family back home, but for the most part, it sounds like it was it was lonely. Yeah, heads down, running, operation, doing pretty much everything between the finance, between like, see, even that's also one thing when like you start a entrepreneur journey at 20 seconds, you go all in, but with not that much of a, of a cap of capital, like you learn things pretty much the hard way, and uh, like see, I could afford a, a accountant, yeah, for sure, but I also wanted to put my head into it. So at the end of the month, I would uh, I would tally all those expenses. I would see how much I'm making, how much electricity I'm paying, and figuring out pretty much all the metrics to at the end, build a sustainable business. But how did it feel? I mean, when uh, when Nikhil and Abhijit came in as partners in the business, like, did it, it must, I'm guessing it felt good, right? Did it feel good? It felt amazing. It felt amazing to have this support, but also uh, in terms of business, then it's like uh, something that was also really uh, uh, straightforward, where like, we were not going to, scale the brand until and unless like we have a profitable uh unit so when we decided to open when we decided to open the first one we were locked we were uh, looking for a place in indranagar because pizza bakery was already in indranagar i had built a data like a customer base like quite uh, strong in indranagar itself so we really wanted we found uh, indranagar to be the best location to showcase our product and probably give the a good experience so we were looking for a space uh, in indranagar and we were lucky that the space next to pizza bakery got vacant but we had to wait a couple of months so but in the meantime we were working on the menu we were working on our strategy we were working on the branding as well so there were a lot of back-end work that needed to be done but that way we we were ready at the time of starting really the the new uh, Paris Panini, like the Cascrew 2.0, yeah. kind of. I, I like the rebrand. I think it's a little bit more accessible. I mean, I'm sure even a lot of people don't know what a panini is. Yes. Uh, even it's not a super common food in my country, Canada, um, but I've, I've heard of it, right? Um, so I think it's a bit more approachable. And people know yes. the city of, of, Par of Paris. Paris. Yeah, 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 that's true. So at the beginning, we, we had this tagline of French street food, but... Uh, 
after all, we uh, renamed it to Gourmet Sandwiches because we found it like gourmet uh, uh, French street food is a bit too uh, generic. And uh, and also what is French street food? Exactly. So like we we renamed, the t- I mean, we uh, rework on the tagline to uh, make it Gourmet Sandwiches. And uh, later on, a couple of months ago, we just started wraps and now it became uh, Sandwiches and Wraps. How'd you guys look at pricing too, by the way? I mean, I think uh, as you described back in the early days, it was around 150 rupees per sandwich. I'm guessing though, with the gourmet tagline, the price went up? We did uh, increase the price a bit, but we didn't keep it too high at the beginning to make it like, see people, like especially the first few years, they were still like discovering the brand. Even right now, there are still a lot of people discovering the brand and we see this but while expanding to a newer location, new location, because see, our foundation is Indiranagar, but like not everybody is like, uh, like see a lot of people in Indiranagar, the, uh, the kind of customer that you serve in Indiranagar are not the same uh, as like when you go to other location, like it's a different way of living, a different way of thinking, a different a different kind of audience. Okay, so uh, like that's why for us, obviously, we keep a close watch on food costs and all our expenses around the, uh, around the, any unit. But um, that was very uh, important to keep it. See. Uh, that way, actually, we've done something like pretty uh, at an initial stage with Paris Panini is that from uh, full Panini, what we decided is to introduce the half Panini. So to make it more affordable to people, but as well give them the opportunity of trying different things. Because see, as we said, the bread here, it's like something different. People have a different approach. So you don't want them to be full after eating one full uh, panini, right? So we had this uh, idea of starting uh, the half panini uh, format. And that was quite a, a, a good move. Uh, like we we had a really good response. And that way, that, w- that way we were able to increase our APC, like increase our even overall profitability because people were trying different things. And see, even being called Paris Panini, we want people to experience the French fries. We want people to have even ratatouille. We have this uh, uh, French ratatouille. We want people to have crepes as well because we have uh, sweet crepes on the menu. We want people to try different things. So like, uh, like a way to make it slightly more affordable to them was to uh, work on, again, I, I would consider this as working on the concept because uh, like changing the size of the panini as well as even changing the portion size, like a combo size compared to a, a regular portion. So, and you know, that's what I like about, I mean, I love about Paris panini is that our concept is very dynamic. See, today we are on uh, 12th main uh, selling in a brick and mortar. Tomorrow we can be at a stall at Zomaland because just to name one, because we've been there also, we uh, did that again uh, about six months ago. Like, you know, that's what I love the most about this kind of concept is you're not uh, restricted to one single place where like you're doing okay fine dining, you're giving obviously an experience, but 
like the f- like for us we have a different way to give like experience and probably I've learned it also like the uh, this way with my cascrut uh, cascrut days is like one day I'll be doing the food truck in an office but the next day I can be like I did self for weddings as well like wedding ceremony like people wanted the food truck so cool so cool so you know like that's also something that we keep in mind when we grow the business because uh growing the business with one vertical is not necessarily the the right way to grow the business and what i love the most is like this uh dynamic d- dynamism that we have like to be able like even to start a pop up tomorrow start a cloud kitchen to like and a couple of months after start an outlet you know that's why even for us we've been lucky and we've been able to scale it so this cloud kitchen business so after uh, starting this indira nagar unit uh, we had the opportunity of starting a cloud kitchen in belrod so that was the actually second uh, second uh, unit the second uh, yeah kitchen and uh, for us uh, starting cloud kitchen is a way to um, experiment with different location without having the burden of like uh, investing in a proper dining outlet because investing in a dining outlet is it's costly it's damn expensive and your dining locations are beautiful by the way i mean i've i've been to the one on church street and everything is just the stylization of the interior everything feels very distinct and different from something i've seen before in india the decor um clearly you didn't just go to some random nearby shop and grab whatever they had like everything is custom even down to the uniforms of the staff which are very um iconic and kind of eye catching so i think you guys have done a great job but obviously yeah uh, probably pretty expensive to set up it is and you know what i like i mean about our decor and ambiance like again it's to give not just the product and you know that's how i felt from the beginning when i started working in restaurants people just don't come for a product they can have it at home they can order it but they come for an experience and you know as a restauranter that's what i would say i sell i sell experiences with like the uh, the from the moment people cross the door at the outlet until they place their order until they are greeted by the waiter until they get the food and from the moment they enter basically until they leave the place we are we are uh, setting up the like giving the experience taking care of them from their experience in the outlet making sure that everything is clean making sure that they have a good uh, moment and a, a memorable moment i would say because yeah like uh, again like they could just order it online they could just and you know like one thing we've learned also is that uh, location is one uh, one thing it's very important but also the uh, the comfort that you give to your uh, customer uh, accommodating them in the in the restaurant because see if they don't have a, a comfort safe space to to come and and eat and dine they will not first of all recommend it to anyone and otherwise it will just become also like a a cloud kitchen brand where like you just uh uh send and send from a window and but 
see, uh, the uh, standing from a window was basically my experience before, especially when, when I was running Cascode because the interiors were like not up to the mark at all. But that's why I discovered when uh, while uh, launching uh, Paris Panini is that, yeah, it was literally day and night. Location was like the main point. And that's, I would say it's part of our marketing strategy as well. Because see, instead of, uh spending tons of money in flyers or i mean flyers or even instagram promotion or anything you uh visibility of the brand and visibility on a on a on a very well uh like like a high crowded uh, uh street would make uh, would make a huge difference and that's what i realized when I moved to Indianaga. You know, my my place uh, where I was running the food truck was literally 500 meters away from the place I started Paris Panini, but it was day and night. And that's why, like, see, sometimes you have something that is placed like one street away, but the visibility and the, the uh, yeah, just the visibility, the fact that people can't necessarily see and pass through and then you don't, uh, you can... Uh, miss like a lot of opportunity. So you set up this first location, which, as you said, very visible on the main street. And then the second location being a cloud kitchen, was the decision to do that based on the fact that the pandemic had hit by that point? Because I know the first location, I think that was what, November 2019, you guys set that up? Um, again, yeah, like it was more like a test, a trial run for us to see if it was worth investing in that location because see like when you if you start uh, a cloud kitchen obviously it'll take maybe a couple of months to pick up but you have to yeah pro spend a bit of money on swiggy ads you have to spend a money a bit of money on zomato but at the end to get again visibility the visibility that you going don't get uh, in the street itself got it so but it builds up like in the sense that yeah you get more visibility on swiggy you your brand become also more famous in the sense you're into targeting two different locations and uh, but the uh, first cloud kitchen was uh, bell road and uh, but the second outlet was bellandour so bellandour was eco world in a tech park a small uh, uh, a kitchen that we were running and uh, but pretty uh, we got a, a pretty good response because also I was running when I was running the food truck I used to park at Ecospace which is the uh, behind uh, tech park uh, the, that uh, eco world uh, next door so people were a little bit familiar yes. even though you had changed yeah. the name yes yes they were they were and they used to yeah exactly recall like oh the days I was standing in the food truck and serving food to them like that's uh, that's actually a, a quite a, a great feeling to see like lately when we even when we opened this uh, outlet on Bell Road people came to me because I, obviously I do stand in the outlet like every single day like I do visit the outlets I spend time with the staff as well understanding the operation and what goes right what goes wrong and what could be improved of, of course because see I still consider uh, this company as a startup, we have like a dozen of location right now, like seven dining outlets, five cloud kitchen. So all in Bangalore, all in Bangalore. So as I spend as much time as possible 
in the outlet i will walk from the outlet itself so that way i also understand like even in terms of customer who visits like customer behaviors of ordering like that's how you are able also to understand the dynamic behind your model behind the menu behind like is your kitchen actually efficient enough so you know all those kind of things that if you don't care at the initial stage you will not be able to scale so you've got these 12 locations uh, some of them are dine-in locations some of them are cloud kitchens but what i think is cool about the business is that it's company owned so everything here there's no franchising you guys aren't sort of uh bringing people on as uh sort of managers or operators of of different locations like everything is under your purview and i'm curious to know why that is why have you guys taken that approach instead of because i'm sure you've gotten a lot of inbound requests yes. to franchise right a lot of inquiries come every single day actually for for franchises but we've been very uh, like cautious about it because um, see we've been lucky enough uh, like it's a completely bootstrapped uh, company and uh, and we've been able to walk i mean see it's like the work that you put in and figure out the metrics figure out the profitability of your business that make you uh, probably uh, understand better your business as well as scaling in a healthy way because see how many uh, the problem is yeah when you have when you put in too much money and try to kind of fix things with money that's not the right way to scale uh, the business because it's a it's a pretty shaky uh, foundation that you have but once you understand the uh, metrics behind the business that's where like you're actually not ready to scale but you know what to do at a given uh, time so like yes we've got franchises but uh you mean we, franchise requests i mean we've had franchise uh, request but we've been yeah cautious and we uh we want to uh keep uh, this uh, control over the company and not give away uh anything because yeah like right now we are invested like be it my partners or me like we are completely invested in this business and we know that the value that we add in the business but when you start adding a external uh, part like someone from outside you never know like what can happen you never know because see even we see it uh, in our company uh, the people in the management side they are very involved dedicated to to the company like it's great to see but the more like i mean we see the the team overall like the lower level i would say it's not like they don't really care about the business but it's not the same level of determination that they have uh, in terms of uh, day-to-day uh, operation it's just a job for them exactly exactly so like for us i mean being in bangalore my my partners are from bangalore itself so they know the market they know they have enough contact also to uh, scale the business in bangalore itself and since bangalore is quite wide like we have enough of uh, Uh, outlets to open before getting into a, another city because see again we are making everything on our own the bread is baked daily everything is uh, prepared sauce and everything so for us it's a lot of logistics in the sense that we have a central kitchen so where 
like we've centralized all the uh, kitchen prep. So basically, whatever comes in the outlet will be assembled and sent. Assembled, toasted, like uh, eat up, whatever, and sent. So like we know that the foundation of the business is the central kitchen. So even if we want to go to another city, we'll have to find a way to probably yeah, open a kitchen as well as probably a couple of outlets to be able to break even the overall operation of this, uh, this setup. So uh, again, now we are concentrated on Bangalore because see, it's, uh, it's uh, what we started in 2019, uh, four years old. So like, it's still new, we're still learning, we are, st we are still uh, scaling the operation, we are still uh, setting up the, the base, I would say. And, uh, and yeah, probably uh, uh, soon enough we'll be uh, able to scale outside of, of Bangalore. But yeah, I would say that first we want to really, uh, uh, really uh, concentrate on, on Bangalore itself because there's enough of, there's enough of, uh, uh, there's enough of space in Bangalore for, for us to grow and, and go to see, like right now we have about 12 location. Like we could probably be around like 30 in the, in the future, but we have, we have space. And again, the thing is with our concept is very dynamic. We can open in tech parks. We can open in, uh, malls maybe at, at some point like it, but yeah, we have a, a, a way of scaling the, the operation and, and business, uh, that we are quite, uh, I mean, we have a, a, a more, uh, how to explain it's a it's a hub what you're describing is kind of like a hub and spoke model where you have this central kitchen but then that can be those ingredients can be transported to like you said malls it could be tech parks it could be like a dedicated location on a main street cloud kitchens right it's a really scalable model yes but also the capex required is a little bit on the higher side rather than having sort of a location by location model where everything is prepared in a single place and then served in that same place. That's true. Yeah. So if you wanted to go to another city, the other challenge is that you are doing this bootstrapped. So you don't have investors who you can say, hey, we want to move to Hyderabad. We want to set up in Hyderabad. So can you guys give us like $10 million for us to do that? You're you're doing it on your own and you know, you're sort of relying on your own profits, which you guys are a profitable business as well. So you kind of have to, you know, you have Live that money in the bank. And scale with it. And but in the same time for us. That's the uh, uh, current scenario. I'm not saying like it won't change in the future, but right now we find it a, a, a good way to scale the operation because again, we have control and we know where we're going, what we're doing and, uh, and how to uh, grow this business as well. Because see, when you run one, one unit, it's not the same way you will run a 10 unit. Like, you know, uh, probably uh, between uh, one, two, let's say, yeah, when, once you start being three or four uh, location, that's where you really test the scalability of your business and really understand if the back end, if your foundation is strong enough. And that's what actually I've been very proud and, and uh, very... Uh, uh, glad to see is that even though we've opened more and more location, we've never, yeah, I would say never faced any problem 
launching something or like having any uh, any uh, problems in terms of operation in terms of quality like we've been able to tackle uh, pretty much everything uh, like probably even technology helped us uh, uh, scaling the operation with like inventory management software with uh, even those uh, aggregator, I mean, this platform to uh, get all the orders with aggregators, like centralized uh, order system. Like we've uh, even in our management team, we have a lot of uh, software to get things done at the end of the day. So it's very uh, like uh, we are, hands on the business and uh, and we kind of know and set the tone of where we're going and where we are like projecting ourselves uh, for uh, uh, a sustainable uh, sustainable expansion so now you guys are in 12 locations it's been basically a decade at this point uh if i had to characterize your story in a in a phrase it would be slow and steady wins the race um, so I, a question that I want to ask you, because everyone's always talking about scale and expansion and spreading yourself across the country, being pan-India or global. How important is that to you? How important is it to build like a panini empire versus like a sustainable, scalable, profitable business? For me, it makes more sense to build a sustainable, profitable business rather than like, I see a lot of people giving franchises they've not even figured out their business model like literally and I've, that's why also it kind of scared me of getting uh into the franchisee model because like you get it's it's not a fish market but like you get ev everything and anything like uh like you think actually sometimes a business is working like oh it has like 50 location it must be doing well those locations are like barely profitable. So for us, what is the most important is making sure every unit, uh, like see, when we invest in outlets, let's say we spend on average uh, uh, 50 lakh of, of investment. We want to make sure that we get them back within like two years maximum, maximum, maximum. So like for that, you need to have your uh, metrics and uh, all your numbers in place. Otherwise, I mean, it can easily like, uh, I mean, easily. Like, again, like you need to uh, consolidate first your concept and your, uh, your business uh, metrics before being able to scale. So, but see, at some point, we, pro we will probably get into this while building this Panini Empire, definitely. Because, yeah, obviously, I want... Uh, Panini to be present, Panindia. I want Panini to be everywhere. I want people to, like, obviously know, like, the brand and experience. But one Panini at a time, I would say. That was Nicola Gosemi, co-founder of Paris Panini. And by the way, I asked Nicola what his favorite Indian street food was, and here's what he said. You mentioned at the beginning of the conversation that uh, you have tried a lot of uh, Indian street foods. What's your favorite? Mm, maybe it's a hard do I need to pick one yes you, you do I'm I gonna love, force you to you know I I came to a country actually that was kind of made for me because I love street food I I could live on street food now if I have to pick one um, mm, I love Vada Pao 
I love rolls as well. I love, I remember like those, uh, I mean again, Varapao is Goli and uh, the story of Goli is also quite, uh, quite inspiring. I'd love to have them over on a podcast as well. <laughs> Even anything with Nan, like um, I remember having this, at this uh, role play, they started a, a, a special like Nan Mish. So it was like between a sandwich and a, and a Nan uh, thing. Like I love this kind of, but I, overall I love Indian food. It's so much of flavors, spices, and it's uh, it's uh, it's fascinating how like they are uh, cooking the like overall even vegetables and how they spice it up. And see, overall, I'm not a big fan of uh, uh, spices like hot, but uh, but I mean now I can kind of handle it. And yeah, like I mean I uh, I I do uh, like it once in a while. Thank you so much for watching or listening to the podcast this week, and I'll catch you in the next one.